Welcome everybody to the Spawn on Me podcast. This is episode 155 and I am your host slash co-host slash not Khalif Adams slash the dot com and the Sharif Jackson of Jackson Sharif com dot I am Sharif Jackson dot com. What is the deal? Peoples, peoples, peoples. Um, Ka is out on vacation. I mean, the man is like in like Mexico. I don't know if he's building a wall. I don't know if he's trying to take down a wall. I don't know if like Trump sent him there for some undercover shit. I have no idea, but like he is currently out of the country and and I hope his papers are in order because <laughs> because the border agents I don't think play anymore. No, um sure. so yeah, yeah. So so um hope ho- hope you're having a, a a good time out there, Kyle. Make make sure to raise a uh, corona for us, you know? Um, or like uh, whatever you are sipping on out there, um, and I'm joined, of course, by the wonderful, the Stubnosticator, the uh, the uh, our our Nostradamus of Bricago, uh, Stubby Stan. What's up, Cicero? Thank you very much. I am doing great. Uh, yes, I am also AKA the Bruce Wayne of Bricago. I've got the Stubnostications coming for you. And uh, when they say the right thing, I will say, why did you say that name? <laughs> so, so okay, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. But also, you, I mean, you called yourself Slash so many times. I wanted to call you Cordell Stewart. Hey, um, yo, yo, hey, <laughs> hey. Well, hey, you, you know, if, if you gave me Cordell Stewart's check, I will gladly, gladly take on take. Take take that on. Yeah, well, let's see, let's see. Cordell Stewart's check from when he was balling, or Cordell Stewart's check now? Because I think he'd rather the baller. I, I think he'd rather have your check now. <laughs> so. Oh man, hey, we we need to get him on the show. Come on, Cordell. Yeah, Cordell, yeah, come through, baby. I I know you know something about games, man. Come yes, on. sir. Um, right. yeah, yeah. So, um. Before we get started on our show, I, w- I wanted to give a shout out to um, our guest that appeared on uh, episode 154 that uh, Ka interviewed at GDC. Um, we had House Mark um, and we had Indy Megabooth. Uh, thank you all so much for um, for like giving us all that good info live yes. from the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. Yes. Um, so to give you a short uh Recap of what we are going to talk about today. Um, it's we're going to talk a precap. That's true. Right. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, C has been de- definitely diving into Bolivia. Um, we're going to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda. Our impressions of the uh, ten-hour trial and of the uh, controversy that is uh, gone around uh, the animations and the harassment that followed. Um, we're going to take a short break and talk about my impressions after two weeks with the Nintendo switch, including the uh, final word on Zelda. Um, and then if we have time, we might get into why YouTubers are idiots. Um, so that's kind of a, a a short rundown, um, just to let you know what is coming up soon. So let's start off with Tom Clancy's. Ghost Recon, Wildlands. Uh, now, I played both the closed beta and the open beta, and I can say that I really did like what I played. I mean, I ended up playing both betas way longer than I thought I would. 
Right. Um, and it would definitely be the kind of game that I would consider buying if I didn't have so many other large, huge games to, to uh, play. But unfortunately, I had to make some choices, so I didn't end up getting it. Um, but C did. Um, so I'm really interested to hear about your adventures in uh, Ghost Recon, man. Which, which, what you been doing over there? Uh, well, you know, I've been uh, driving, flying, swimming, um, boating, biking across Bolivia. Uh, through nice. the the flora and fauna, the um, <laughs> the very diverse regional locales within uh, the beautifully recreated uh, Bolivia from from Ubisoft Paris, and um, I'm having a great time. I'm really really enjoying myself. With the caveat, and and it's a and it's a huge one. Um, mm. and and I think it's it's what both of the big AAA Ubisoft titles have suffered from this year, um, which is both games, um, this game and the other, and the, the previous game being For Honor, uh, both of those games came out at a time when there were other titles that were very, very different, that were taking up a lot of um, both time and uh, mind share. Uh, and, um, I think these games both are very, very good, but you need, you need other players. You need people that you like, you need people that you can communicate with in order to play these and get the full enjoyment out of these titles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, if, if my friends list on my Xbox is any indication for For Honor, and my friend's list for uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands is any indication. There are, are fewer people playing it than you would like in order to make sure that you're able to do what it is that you want to do. Um, but the the blueprints of the game, the skeleton of the game itself is really sound. Um, the AI, so, you, you know, you're in Bolivia, you are a black ops operative in a small squad that is going to try is trying to take down this drug cartel that has overrun Bolivia and you are dropped in one of the re- one of the 21 regions and you can basically just go wherever you want and in each region there is at least one boss mm. that is responsible for one section of this entire uh, Santa Blanca drug organization and you take down that boss uh, by any means necessary to to help dismantle this this uh, this big drug cartel. And while you're doing that, you're also aiding the rebels within within Bolivia that are trying to get their take their country back from these Mexicans that have come down to Bolivia and are, are you know, taking over the, the drug trade there. So you're doing all that stuff. And while you're there, you can use all sorts of different weapons, um, you know, the all manners of guns. They're, all the guns are realistic. They're not, you know, they don't have any special uh, abilities in the same way that the division um, had. The guns had different abilities. Um, most of the guns have silenced weapons available to them, so you have the ability to go through and take on these challenges silenced, uh, without very stealthily, without being detected, and uh, you know you can go through and have a great time. But you know where the fun really comes in is getting up to three of your friends to play with you 
and uh you know this drop in drop out co-op where you guys can attack the entire map and it's huge um you know we've been talking about some huge open world games in the last few weeks um Horizon Zero Dawn a huge open world game Zelda Breath of the Wild which we'll be talking about in a little while another huge open world game um you know uh, people aren't talking about how expansive Ghost Recon Wildland is and it it really it really really is um I've been playing I probably logged about 15 or 16 hours into the game I haven't seen the entire map yet um oh yeah I think you wouldn't even yeah. be close right well I mean you can you know you can just fly around well well yeah yeah and, but, and, but I mean, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that you're going to an area and trying to clear it before you sometimes no. <laughs> Some, yeah, sometimes, I, you know, sometimes I'm just flying around. And that's and that is the beauty of the game. The You know, the beauty of the game is there is no direction that you must take. Um, you go in and you do whatever it is that you want to do. And, 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 and uh, when you're playing with your friends, it really is. It's just this giant sandbox where you guys can go and you can try and do different things and and say we're going to attack this stronghold and you go to start doing it and then something in- invariably goes wrong and hilarity ensues and it's you know it's it's really a lot of fun when it comes to that kind of stuff but it is wholly dependent upon you having at at the very least one friend um preferably up to 3 to go out and and play the game now matchmaking works very well um, it again, it is drop in, drop out, drop out co-op. It is seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a person will j- jump into your instance and they'll be in there and they can come and join forces with you and do, you know, do stuff with you or they can go off and do their own thing. Um, you know, any there, there are really no restrictions on on how people are able to play the game. Uh, but the fun is had when everyone is playing together and, and you're trying to accomplish whatever the goals are. Okay, so so like you, you haven't had any sort of connection issues, server issues? No, Nothing's no, good. not at all, which is which is remarkable for a Ubisoft game. Yeah, because, I mean, I, 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 I'm st- I still really like For Honor, but I had to stop checking it out because I was getting booted out of ma- matches more than 50% of the time at one point and the forums were littered with people that had the same thing. So, so like I beat the single player and I was looking forward to really getting, you know, owning in on the multiplayer. And I just, I was like, man, these, these servers are just not good. So, so I'm glad to hear that ghost recon doesn't have that because I can't imagine, you know, being, being on some 30 minute, 40 minute mission where you're trying to get through this thing stealthily. Right. And then your boy just, just, just disappears. Right. right. <laughs> disappears yeah. the so there, so there are funny glitches. Like there was one, one where we had an escort mission where we had to pick a, extract a, an HVT, a high value target. And we put her in a chopper. I was flying the chopper. And, um, I was waiting for, for her to come in and everyone said, oh, she, you know, she's in. So I was getting lag from that. And then when she finally was in the helicopter, I saw her on my screen. She was outside the chopper, like 10 yards away, (laughs) just hovering in the air. (laughs) So, so things like that have happened, but I've not experienced any, uh, lag within gameplay that would af- negatively af- affect 
my ability to play the game. So right. now, now, did, did you notice anything with? Um, I don't know if your groups of friends were on sort of different levels, like like a different kind of character levels. Um, does that kind of affect how the enemies look? Like, are they scaled to? the you know highest level person like uh did was it like you could just go in and mop up if you're a higher level buy like, so the so the levels in this game it, you know it doesn't work the same way that it does in the division the division is much more of an rpg than than uh ghost recon wildlands is where uh in the in the division it is about hit points and and you know about taking down enemies that are at a certain level. Um, this game is, you know, more traditional Tom Clancy, one shot, one kill. So mm-hmm. if you get a headshot, a headshot is a headshot is a headshot. Right. Um, I haven't seen, there isn't anything where, uh, because you're a higher level and your levels really, the, the only reason you level up is, is as an excuse to get gain more skill points to um, attach those skills, skill points to whatever is in your, Skill trees is a very limited uh, set of skill trees where they affect your devices, give you you know more options on your uh, on your flying drone or the ability to um, heal faster or you know take more damage or you know reduce the sway of your weapon. Right. So the you know the, so a lot of these things that are you know not necessarily cosmetic, but they're they're uh, things that will help you along in your in your uh in your adventure but they don't leveling up doesn't advance your skill in any any uh perceptible way and it doesn't affect the enemies in the world okay yeah yeah i mean one one, one thing i really enjoyed about the beta was how like um i, I guess the uh the verticality of the right. game like you know obviously like an area like bolivia is like very mountainous right and, you know, obviously there's, like, other games, like the GTAs and stuff, that have certain mountains where you can, like, get 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 on top of them and, like, it's a big deal. But in this game, it's not just, like, one big mountain on the center of the map or something. Like, right. everything is hilly. Yes. You know? And, like, that definitely led to some complaints of people not liking the driving, I feel like. But, but like, everything feels like you're going through this, you know, actual Central American, like, South American country. Right. Um, and there were some times where like you're just riding on this little strip on the side of a mountain and it reminds me of being in like areas of say Jamaica right. um, where like you're just on the side of town in this huge bus like right. there, there's no gate you know what I'm saying you're just no, like no fence yeah exactly you're just going right. so yeah right. I I definitely that I think gave it a unique feel that kind of differentiated from a lot of other open world uh open world games and and, and, and and like I really enjoyed that like there were like sometimes where your objective was like all the way up here or all the way down here and right. like you kinda had to really think about should I drive all the way around or just see if I can just drive straight through this like this like uh pit, you know? Right. With like my like my my like minivan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yes, your VW bus. Yeah, um, yeah. So th- that is that is one of the really great strengths of Wildlands is um, is the geography of and and just how diverse the regions are. Um, I, I I came across a desert. There's a dam oh, wow. there. Yeah, there's you know 
there's uh, huge mountainous ranges, and you know, and then there's day-night cycle. It's raining all the time with beautiful lightning, and yes. all of this stuff looks really, really good. It's uh, you know, hats off to the animation team and the design team uh, when it came to when it came to the the uh, natural elements of that game. It just it looks really it looks phenomenally well. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and and, and are, are are you playing on a um? Do you have a? Are, are you playing on a 4K TV? I'm not playing on a 4K TV okay. today. I okay. may be playing on a 4K TV next week. Okay. But but okay. Yeah, it still looks great. It still yeah. looks great. Yeah, because because like I was like curious if this game took advantage of like HDR. It does. It does. And in fact, uh, I was playing with a friend of mine who said. Um, when when if the sun hits right, it's so bright it's like you're actually staring into the sun. Oh God! So 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 you can actually ruin your eyes. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. You need to play with actual shades. Uh, yes. Exactly. Immersion. You need blue actual immersion. Right. You get some blue blockers and, like, and, and call it a day. Like like you actually have to put on suntan lotion. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, the beta looked player. amazing on a PC. Yeah. It looked incredible. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, there were some times where um, I just had to stop and just like take a screenshot. Like I like it's a perfect game. Like yes. is, is, is is there a photo mode here? There is not a photo oh, mode, which is which is is a shame. Obviously. Um, uh, both the Xbox and the PlayStation Four allow you to take screenshots oh, yeah, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but the but if, this game is screaming for a photo mode because there are just so many amazing vistas, um, and just you know these even barren land like the desert is picturesque. Um, so seeing all of that stuff and you know you really want to kind of take take some photos and and preserve. Uh, some of the images that you that your eyes are getting uh, treated with, um, and to that to that point, not necessarily the photo mode, but the graphics I- itself. I went back yesterday and looked at. I didn't look at the 2016 one, but the 2015 E3 reveal of Ghost Ghost Recon Wildlands, mm-hmm. and you know, so much there's so much to do about Ubisoft specifically, really. Um, uh, dumbing down the graphic graphical fidelity of the games from the E3 press conferences yeah. to to the actual release of the game. Obviously, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, uh, what was what was it? shit. I could I I'd be remiss if I couldn't mention the game that I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, what um, game are you talking about? <laughs> um, what's what's the game with Aiden Pierce? Watch Dogs. Uh, Watch Dogs. Watch yes. underscore Dogs. Watch underscore Dogs. So yeah, I'd be remiss if I couldn't remember that game. Um, well, but it's, you know, it's forgettable. I, right, right. It was. It was. <laughs> I you know I blocked it out of my mind. Um, but uh, you know, obviously that game uh, downgraded quite a bit from yeah. from the you know from the initial reviews. You, you, you know what? That's, and even the even the division. That's oh oh definitely the division. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's a good point, man. This yeah. is one of those few games where I haven't heard any complaints about right. saying that it was downgraded from the trailers because yeah, right. this game is beautiful. Um, yeah, and- it really it, it really is. And I would I would encourage people if you've got the game to go back and watch that watch that reveal 
And you'd be surprised at how closely now, you know, obviously I think that one was done by blur and they do amazing work when it comes to doing pre-rendered stuff. Um, but what we got as the finished product was, is eerily close to what we, what was seen almost two years ago at E3. So I, you know, uh, again, hats off to, to Ubisoft and, and the design team and, and, uh, and the and the coders because it it really does look great. Um, now on to the bad, I think. Um, and and the bad is that the game can be repetitive. You know, you, so you you know you get these missions, the story based missions where they they help you locate the uh, whoever the boss is in that region, and they really boil down to a couple of things: blow something up, kill someone. Uh, extract information from a high value target and, you know, and that's what they are. And, you know, and that's, you know, the, even the side missions are essentially the same thing. Sometimes it's steal a vehicle or stop a convoy and, you know, and, and how you approach those things is where the variety, where the variety comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but all of those things, you know, all of those things are wrote by themselves but playing them with your friends is what makes them unique and which may, gives you the opportunity to have these emergent gameplay moments. Okay. Um, so, so that's great. The other negative about this game and this, and it's come up in a lot of reviews and, and, you know, I definitely have to mention it is the lack of respect. The game uh, places on Bolivians. Hmm. Now it, it, obviously adores the country obviously adores um the region because they've paid a lot of attention to making sure that the country itself looks wonderful but the people um you know what you've got is you've got a team of four who goes out there and they they you know they really don't speak spanish they speak, you know, they speak about as much Spanish as I do, which makes no sense. These are like right. covert agents in another country. Like, how right. are you going to bl- how right. are you going to infiltrate? You don't know the yeah. language. Yeah, like, they it's weird. they really their their interactions with the Bolivians really come down to their interactions with the the rebel leader and the rebels as they free them, but like regular civilians. They don't interact with them well. They don't speak Spanish. They're they're really kind of to themselves, and it and it it makes Americans look bad if you think about the game from that perspective. Yeah, because it it is is just again it you know it's Team America the game, and we you know and we just go in there and we just fuck shit up, America. and and uh, you know and we just show that we're B A M F S all over the world without really caring about the rest of the world. That's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I I was really hoping that this game had some kind of more interactions with these cartel leaders. Like you didn't have to just kill them. Like uh, maybe, maybe there was some way you could persuade them or get them to give you other information or, or like I was, I was like hoping that there was more to the game, that there was more choices that you get with both the rebels and the, and the sub bosses and the mid bosses to actually 
you know, try to play the political part of it a little bit. So there are options to do it. It's not, you don't have the options the same way that you did in, in a game, say like uh, mafia three. Okay. Um, That's what I was but, hoping. Was right. Like but that. there are, there definitely, there is, there was a boss that I went to try and take out. I went to his hideout um, in one part of the game and we started out stealthy and at a certain point, we missed the shot, and it alerted the guards, and they right. went on high alert. And the boss killed himself instead of oh, wow. being taken alive. Wow, that's that's pretty. So cool. right, so there was an option there to take him alive and, and like get info. We, yeah, we would have been able to get more info out of him potentially, um, but because we went in loud, he he. Didn't give us that option. Or, you know, there are times where you'll, you know, you'll have the option of taking someone dead or alive. Yeah. And and, and, and they didn't warn you about that. I'm assuming. Right. Well, they, 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 or they so, and that's, that was, so that was, that's part of the problem. So they did, they alluded to it during uh, one of the in-game, not cutscenes, but audio cutscenes where they're, uh-huh. where they're just kind of talking over, over the, whatever, you know, as, as you're game playing. Um, but those have been so bad most of the time that I tune them out. So a lot of the ambient banter between you and your squad mates is, is poorly done. It's poorly acted. And it's a lot of it's nonsensical. Some of it's really, really bad jokes. Um, and, and you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is stuff that, uh, some squad mates would tell each other during the time, you know, during war times to kind of break the tension and, and, right. you know, keep, keep everybody sane. Um, but they're really bad. And then you've got a, uh, you've got a handler, essentially someone who is embedded in Bolivia, who's giving you the rundown of exactly what the situation is, and she briefs you on missions and what have you. And while they're showing video cutscenes of the, each and every boss when you go to a new region, she's the one who's doing the narrations for those things. And the the game has this has this weird ability to play serious when you're playing the game, and they're showing you these videos. It's very very serious, mm-hmm. but the but the commentary, the narration in it is almost satirical. Hmm. It is, it is like, it really doesn't do a good job of um, giving, giving the same level of gravitas that of, uh, or weight to the things that are happening as, as you actually see, which is, you know, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, that is really disappointing. Like, I feel like in 2017, they could have touched on just the whole, imperialism and you know like what are we fighting for and i I don't know like all kind of stuff i I feel like that the dialogue i appreciated the most and this happened in the beta and this is a i don't think this is a big spoiler that like there is a boss that it turns out is like actually used to be in the military yes and he kind of like went rogue and like set up his own you know thing um and there's some commentary where they talk about you know the pressures he was under and how how like he didn't feel like a part of the country, you know, like that kind of stuff. Where like I was like, okay, like like like, like this to me is a good sign that maybe throughout the game that there is some more introspective stuff, not just a bunch of like oorah, like let's take out, you know, like these people kind of thing. But it sounds like that like in your ten or so hours that they haven't right. really hit on that. 
No, and 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 they're not going to really, and not in the, you know. So so the division I think had a was definitely narrative wise was weighted more to its game than I think Wildlands is rooted. To, the narrative is rooted to to uh, its game, at least the dialogue. So the so the the video um the video vignettes that you get all the cutscenes that you get throughout the game I think do a good job of explaining who each underboss is, who El Sueño is, what their motivations are uh and and that kind of stuff but ultimately your goal is just to kill the person, eliminate that whoever that person is. So there's no there's no real uh secondary or tertiary level of uh character depth to the to the characters. Uh, yeah. which is which is a little disappointing. Yeah. Well yeah. yeah that's that's a too bad, but it, it it does sound like they're giving a general recommendation for this game. Yeah, like yeah. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, if you're you, enjoying it. Yes, I am I am very much enjoying it. I think that if you um, if you have a group of people that you think that you you'll be able to reliably play this game with, um, and you you know you love kind of sitting around and shooting the shit with them, then this is definitely a game for you. You'll be able to with with your friends, you'll be able to play for thirty or forty hours um, and get through all the stuff. Um, I don't know that there's necessarily. I know that there'll be DLC that's coming out, and they'll ha- they'll be adding a PvP mode, but I don't know if there's enough still on that bone once once I hit 40 hours that will make me want to come back to it in a very compelling way the the gun the gunsmith is amazing you can change all the different uh pieces on on whatever weapon you have but you know once you get your weapon that you like um then you know you're pretty you're pretty much done yeah uh, but it's but it's definitely a fun a uh, huge map, expansive map that you guys can, you know, kick around in and and have goofy times and fight the Santa Blanca car- uh, cartel and the Unidad uh, police force. Oh God, yeah, those yeah. dudes yeah. do not stop. <laughs> no, no. So um, Purple City, know. right, right, exactly. And you know, so I mean, all of that stuff is fun, uh, and have some fun with it if you're. Not sure that you would like it. Um, I'm sure by in a couple of months the game will be at least at least twenty five percent off, probably maybe even closer to fifty percent off, and it would definitely it's definitely worth it at that. At that yeah, price. yeah, yeah. It's especially for PC players. I feel like this is the perfect kind of game that in probably six weeks there's going to be some Ubisoft sale where this game is like fifty percent off, right. or if not, then it'll definitely be a part of the summer sale on a Steam where they discount stuff. So, right. so yeah, I, I, I think it's a perfect game to, you know, if you're not super excited about it now, just wait a little bit, just pick it up when it goes on discount. Um, yeah. It's especially cause there's so many games to play that like, you, like, you got to make cuts somewhere. Right. Um, right. Unless, you know, you've broken the space time continue, continue <laughs> right. and, and don't need to sleep. Right. Um, so speaking of that, uh, we're going to go from Bolivia, jump in our spaceships, go out to the Andromeda solar, not solar system, galaxy, galaxy. Right. Um, to talk about the latest uh, Mass Effect. Um, so uh, so we each played about 10 hours of the um, trial that Electronic Arts put out, both on PC and on Xbox One. 
Um, and I must say, um, I enjoyed myself, but I was not in love and like biting at the bit to to get more of the game. Like, I think this game started very, 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 very slow. Um, and very rote. Like, I feel like a lot of things I was doing at the beginning just felt so rudimentary. Um, and I guess like, like that, like they're trying to ease people in that not only are not Mass Effect fans, but might not, but might not be, um, familiar with sort of like a, you know, like a, I, I don't know what genre you put it in, adventure RPG kind of yes, game. Yeah, I guess um, it's action RPG. It's more action RPG than than the first one, definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just felt like you were doing these really simple, basic things. Um, and even when I got to the first planet, um, well, well, no, well, well the, the first planet after you get your ship, I should say, um, when I got to that first planet, I still felt like when I was there that I didn't have that sense of wonder, like, oh man, I'm on a new planet. Like anything, you know, this is a new galaxy we've never been to, a new world, like anything can happen. Mm-hmm. It still felt like any other place. And I was doing the same stuff that I was doing on the, uh, on the, uh, spaceship. Um, you know, so like, I really did like the, I thought that the beginning beginning of the game was good when like you're on this planet and there's crazy lightning going around. Right. There's floating rocks. Like it kind of looks like, oh man, this is really like an alien experience. But then like the people, you know, you do end up getting in combat and, and they're just like anybody else. Like, right. like I, I just feel like I, I'm not seeing yet the creativity that this game should allow when you've literally traveled 600 light years you know, to like right. another galaxy. I mean, I feel like they really have the license to go completely bonkers with what the races might look like, with like what kind of powers that they might have. But they all like they all have guns. Like the like right. like, <laughs> like they have projectile based guns in another galaxy. Like it's just like like there's so, there's so many other things that that I was hoping that they would do, and they still can do. I'm I mean this is going to be a long game, right. and I do think that it's going to hook me eventually. Um, but not only has that part not hooked me, but the relationships with the characters, there's nobody that I can say that I'm really like yo like I'm you know like I really feel some kind of way either good or bad about them. Right. Like they all just they're just there, and. Then I started thinking about my experience of Mass Effect 1, and, like, I feel like I was connected with some of the characters quicker. Almost immediately. And, and, and like, I think that's because right at the beginning of those games, you're doing missions with them, and there's banter, and there's more story set up that specifically involves them. Um, And there hasn't really been a lot of that for me yet. Um, So, yeah, it just feels like I'm just in this random space game doing some tasks that I would do the same way on earth, you know, even though I'm in another galaxy and yeah, it, it, it just doesn't feel like enough yet. Um, and I'm really hoping that I can eat my words and that after 20 hours that like, I'm going to be like, this is the game I was waiting for. Um, but so far, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's this weird thing where like, I like it, but I'm not like, raving about it yeah what what's what's been your experience with it well so i haven't played as much of the single player as you have 
Um, I have come away feeling underwhelmed, but not, n- not, not optimistic. Mm-hmm. So I'm still optimistically. Uh, I, I told a friend um, recently that, you know, I don't, I could go on media blackout for mass effect. They don't need to sell me on buying right. the mass effect game. Their pedigree is enough to make me buy this game. Yes. So I'm buying this game. I'm going to play this game and whether or not I'll like it is, is still kind of up in the air, but they've done enough goodwill in the, you know, in the 10 years since uh, the, the very first mass effect and actually in, in, you know, since KOTOR yeah. to make, to, you know, buy for Bioware, to, for me to say, okay, um, I'm down with any sci-fi RPG that, that Bioware is going to put out. So, um, uh, but I did come away feeling underwhelmed. I do understand exactly what you're saying with regards to uh, the crew that you're working with. Um Ironically enough, the people that I feel I feel closest to are Liam, who is with you when a catastrophic catastrophic event happens. Very, I mean, immediately early in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, and you know, but I don't know if I like him. I'm connected to him, and it's just I've spent the most time with him so far. Um, and uh, and then the other person that I. I had a connection to was my father, um, right. Alec Ryder, in in the game early on. Um, but I don't think you know. Again, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he dies because I think that's part of like their their conversation um, yeah. uh, about the game is that he dies and yeah. that you you know you and your sister or you know uh, the the offspring the twin twin offspring of, of this guy. And, and you, know, you got to kind of figure out what, you know, what to do next. Um, so I've, uh, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's a mass effect game for, for better or for worse for right now. It's still like super early on. Um, you're not necessarily powerful enough to really feel like you can do anything other than, you know, uh, munitions combat. So, um, from that perspective, you don't have that sci-fi, true sci-fi feeling, even though you're in sci-fi settings. Uh, so I, you know, I can definitely give them a pass on, on, on that, uh, respect. And then, um, I do like some of the things, like I like the jetpack, I like the scanner. I like the jetpack is really good. Yeah. And the Um, scanner is well implemented. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I, I like all of those things. Um, I'll tell you what I do like, and uh, this was a thing that, you know, that kind of was a holdover from from Mass Effect 3, and that's the multiplayer. Um, So I, you know, I probably split half of my time evenly between the multiplayer and and the uh, and the single player campaign. And the multiplayer is very, very good. Um, It is it is frenetic. Um, it's, it's difficult. It's a, you know, it's an adrenaline rush and it's cooperative and, you know, and it's one of those things where you feel like, and they, they've got a bunch of different scenarios and modes within those scenarios. Um, but basically you go in, uh, you know, another four team 
co-op event where you're um, holding off waves of enemies or you're, you're accomplishing certain objectives. And I, I mean, I think it's implemented very, very well. You know, you can upgrade your guys and do different things and, and, and use similar sets of abilities that you have within, within the single player game. And I've, you know, I could see myself spending a fair amount of time playing, playing the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't get a chance to touch the multiplayer yet, but I watched a lot of streams of it, and I really liked the flow. Like it felt like it really had that nice flow of like using a biotic power up and then jumping right. away and shooting and right. returning, and it it kind of had you know that whole thing that I think Bungie first said that like ten second loop right. of like awesome things kind of happening. Right. Um, and it was totally totally cooperative because like you can do these like combo hits. You right. know, where where like one person puts somebody in the air and then you can like smack them out of the air and right. like combine different powers. Like like it looked like they realized I think that Mass Effect three was kind of a sleeper like a multiplayer hit and I think right. now, now they said, All right, people are gonna come into this one expecting that we at least best that. Right. And and it looks like they really did put some effort into this and yeah, I, I think it's gonna be up there. For right. a multiplayer, which is yeah. surprising, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 looks really good. It was fast. Um, they let you play as like you know. I think from what I saw, I think you have like all the races available available to you at the start. Some of them well, so they unlock. so they no yeah. So some of them you have to unlock. You have all of the races available at the start, but you don't have all of the races available. Um, with the different character archetypes. Oh, okay. So there are these different archetypes. Uh, you know, if you if you're familiar with Mass Effect, you're kind of familiar with some of these archetypes. They haven't really changed that much. But uh, so each character, each race has male and female versions of their race, except for Asari. Yeah. Um, because you know, they yeah, they're all, like you know, monogendered. Yeah. Um, and, but then, so you, as you progress through the game, as you progress through the multiplayer, you unlock points that will allow you to buy packs. Those packs will give you cards and those cards have different things in them, whether they be characters, consumables, weapons, uh, whatever the case may be. And so you can unlock more, more, uh, races and skins and different archetypes. Um, and you can play with those as well. So um, all of that stuff is in there. Good, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah man, I, I, I can't wait to like dig into it. I just wanted to use my ten hours just on the single player because yeah. I knew because I know that the progress carries over. Right. And like I got my copy coming on a Tuesday. Yep. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely hype, hype. Um. Yeah. But what's not hype is some of the controversy that has come across this game so the game has been getting a lot of flack for its facial animations yes um there are definitely some cutscenes where you might be saying something that's very expressive in your character model like only their lips are moving so they kind of look like they're just daring straight even though they're like shouting or saying something in a panicked kind of motion and this is something a lot of games do i mean there's there, there, there there's very few games that get facial animations right i feel right. like so mm-hmm. While I'm not saying that it shouldn't get the criticism, I feel like it's a little um, weighted too much in this area. Um, but but what was messed up was that this 
Gamergate affiliated site that I never even heard of called like Ralph's Retort, I believe it's called, <laughs> um, basically posted that they found out that the reason behind this was because one of the developers, sorry, one of the lead animation like developers um, actually was not, um, you know, had never made a game before and she was like a cosplayer and she did like sexual favors to get her job and all, all that kind of weird harassment oh stuff that you've seen, unfortunately um, in the industry in the last couple of years. So apparently this site has a huge following because, you know, because this woman was getting just straight up harassed um, to the point where Bioware themselves had to issue um, a uh, statement. Um, and like uh, their statement said, we respect the, the opinions of our players and community and welcome feedback on our games, but attacking individuals regardless of their involvement in the project is never acceptable. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel like they could have came out a little stronger. Um, I realize that they're trying to toe the line because they know that the bigots buy their games too, and they're like, "Well, like we need those game gate people because they play the games." <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah. So, so like uh, her name is like Ali Rosemarie Liost, I think her last name is. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's just another example of how you know it's fine to criticize a game; it's not fine to criticize, you know you didn't do this right because you're a woman. And, and and then that means that you got to start talking about like her looks and did she really deserve her job? And like, did she do this? And like, did, and like, did, did she do that? And then it determines that the whole report thing wasn't even true. You right. know what I'm saying? So of people just not. jumped on this shit and just immediately started just harassing her. And I just, this stuff is just never acceptable to me. Like, I don't care how upset you are about a game. It's just never acceptable to attack the people behind the games especially for something that has, you know, their looks or whatever like that. It's it's just, it's just so dumb. And like, when I was talking about this on uh, Twitter and like, I basically said like, you know, we have to remove the bigotry from the industry, you know, cause it's, 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 it's holding the industry back and it's driving great people out. You know, um, I got this one request from, from this guy, like, well, do you mean f- like for, like forcibly diversify and I, normally i would just ignore that but i got so pissed because it made me think of like forcible integration right i don't know it it, it it just made me think about this whole racial and historical thing so i was like what do you mean and like i was like oh i'm talking about when like you know they just hire based on a quota and like they hire people that you know um don't really fit the job but and i'm like yo like if that's your first thought like, like when, like I say, I need to diversify and your first thought is like being forced to like that, that, that's the problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? That shouldn't be your initial thought. So, so, uh, so yeah, man, what's, what, what's your thoughts on this whole controversy, man? Well, the controversy is bullshit, but I will say this, um, that the, one of the things that made me underwhelmed with the game were the animations and, and, uh, yeah, they're, um, they're not good. Know, right. So I. When I created my character, I created a man, uh, created a black man, and I, uh, you know, I, I got the the black man face and thought I'd be able to customize it some more. And I, uh, you know, I just pushed the button thinking I'd go to a new screen and cu- be able to have more customization options. But uh, but apparently, this is my guy, my rider, 
is a black dude with kind of a wide monkey face, um, <laughs> which somehow seems racist, but has has um, a, a relaxed blowout that he combed to the back, <laughs> like like seventies seventies style, whatever, and he just got it combed to the back with like a hot comb, and and then. He's got mutton chop sideburns that are completely, you know, like they did them on a on a one. They had the, the clippers set down to a one, so he's got mutton chops. <laughs> and then he's got this huge space between the mutton chop ends, like right below the ear, and then at his chin, the beard continues <laughs> with the mustache and goatee. Just, yeah. just as what it's like, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> It's, it's just so ridiculous. And you're like, okay, well, it's, you know, it's 900 years, 800 years into the future. <laughs> maybe this, maybe, is, how this is, maybe this is how people rock. Yeah, it, but know? but no, no, but that's not an excuse because these guys have been asleep. They've been in cryo. Right, right. You so you know, 100 years from now, you know, they look back at the 70s. It was like, yo, 70s. 70s revival. Right, right. Seven, you know, 1970s revival along <laughs> with hipster, you know, hairstyles. And that's how we rock. And it's, you know, it just looks bad. Um, it looks real, really bad. And then, you know, everybody else looks okay. The aliens look better because they defined. We don't have a point of reference for the aliens outside right. of the ones that Bioware's already defined. So those characters look like the characters that we've seen before. The other thing that that um, kind of disturbed me in in a you know in a less than positive way was the fact that I felt like this game looked like Mass Effect, and that doesn't sound like it should be a hmm. uh, a negative point. It, but it is in the sense that I felt like the graphical technology for the engine or for the or the engine that they decided to use because I think they're using Frostbite this time around. Yes, Frostbite. Um, it, that it, to, to my eye and my memory, this game doesn't look any better oh. decide, you know, besides minor textures than Mass Effect 3. I feel like the movements are very similar. Um, I feel like the animations are very similar, um, and and the you know the color palette obviously is the same. Which I you know I guess those are things that would remain the same since it's you know the same family of games. But it just it felt old, um, and not and not necessarily in a good way. Um, yeah. yeah. I I would say to wait until you get to the first planet because I'll okay. say that the first planet is pretty stunning. Okay. Um, like a visually. Um, okay. I do agree in inside of the ships and that kind of stuff, and like right. even the character models, they right. they do look like they could have existed in Mass Effect Three. Right. Um, I think really where the game starts to shine is like some of the environments. Okay. Um, but again, like I've only been you know t- to one planet. Um, and I do agree with you in the fact that it shouldn't just be there though. Like the entire game should look significantly better. Right. Um, and it does not look significantly better. Um, now there are some parts like, like I know that when they had that like 4k trailer, um, that looked incredible. Right. Um, but again, that's, that's 
you know, we haven't seen that part yet. Right. Um, and I did expect that f- for a game where you do spend a, lo- a lot of time in your ship and that kind of stuff, that part should look sin- significantly better. And it doesn't like it, 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 it just doesn't. The effects look great. The, like when you're using your powers, yeah. the, the particle effects that you get to see and, and like the first planet that you're on with the lightning storms and the, and the, the, the rocks that are levitating, all of that stuff looks great. The environments look great. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, I mean, but, here's but hoping end, that but, Mass yeah. Effect really delivers on right. what we want, you know. Right. Um, um, I'm optimistic and, as well. You know, I mean, I'm, I mean I'm not going to cancel my pre-order or anything right, like that. Right. Like, I, like I, I love the Mass Effect series. Um, as I said on my Twitter, every time I'm invested time in Bioware, I've gotten it back in spades. Exactly. Um, so I'm perfectly expecting by the end of this game to have a total connection with the characters, to have hopefully romanced one or two of them. Um, <laughs> you, and I'm hoping that it ends. Dirty dog. Well, dirty dog. Uh, hey, I, I already had some eyes for... Uh, Oh, I don't think you met PB yet because you don't meet no. her until the first planet. Oh, okay. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I have some eyes on PB. PB, watch out! I'm <laughs> slanging. Um, <laughs> um, but but um, yeah, you, you know, I I think that um, you know that Bioware just is a master at these kind of games from Kotor to Dragon Age to right. to um, Mass Effect to even like Jade Empire that kind of stuff. Right. So right. So so uh, yeah. So like yeah, I I I expect this to be. No different. Um, so I'm looking forward to you know jumping in on it. I mean, it like comes out like the day this episode this comes out. Episode so, airs, yeah. Exactly. So, um, so you guys may be. I have to look at my tutoring schedule to see how how my day is. But <laughs> um, sorry, kitties, I might have to uh, you know give you a rushed lesson because I'm thinking about Andromeda, right? Not calculus. So now, um, Bioware has already come out and said that the first patch won't address the animation um, controversy. I don't see how they can address that. Uh, I mean, like redesign the game. Like, like, like it, it seems like such a core part of the the engine, right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, what, what they could I, do. I, I feel like that would to, be like. There a could massive, be a massive patch that would right. probably take months. So, so they could right, they could do a texture pack pack that would fix the textures, but they still wouldn't fix the animations. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it it wouldn't fix like how people react and right and and, and 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 how people walk. I've seen a couple of really funny videos of people walking away in very strange yeah, ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw uh, some of those. Right as for as for the. The Gamergate or uh, misogynistic, the ism uh, part of this controversy, you know, fuck the trolls. Well, uh, I'll say that much. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is, again, kind of part and parcel with the, for the climate. And, you know, we may get into that a little bit later, uh, part and parcel with the climate that we that we live in today, um, that uh, that bigots and misogynists and and the ists, ISTSs of the world, uh, or at least of this country, have become emboldened um, by the people that are in charge because a lot of the same um, tools of rhetoric that they use or, or um, thought processes that, that they have um, when they think about things are being espoused um, by, by the very leaders 
of of our of our great nation. So if they feel like they can use them, if people see the you know the leaders of the free world using them using this type of language and and uh, behaving in this way, then obviously you know who are we to tell some some peon that that's not acceptable? Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's just it's just a shame because it, it it becomes harder and harder for me to recommend people that I know, especially if they're women, to hey, like check out this site or go to this thing because it's just. Right. Right. So much trash out there. Right. So much trash and we right. need to get rid of the trash. Take That's out right. the trash. Right. Um and by taking out the trash, we're also going to take out take out the break? It, no, I, we're gonna I, take I, a break while we take out the trash. I wanna use the word. You out. take we're gonna take out the trash. They're gonna take a break while we take out the trash. You know, I, I couldn't have said it any better, so we'll be back after this. Man, it is what it is. Can't understand a man if you ain't live what he lived. Coaches in the crib and got no food up in the fridge. Plus the crime running rampant and it's screwing up the kids. Sway it, man, what kind of paradise is this? I just want my 40 acres and some cash on the wrist. But these snakes is trying to gather in the pit. Where you get the cotton now, plucking ashes off the clip. Off the rip, now a challenger exists. Any bulletproof, shoot the kind of caliber is this. Got thugs in the store with the barrel on your lips. Saying nifty out the jail before you pay with the grip, Lord. Who the call when no one obeys the law? And there ain't no Iron Man that can come and save the song. Power to the people and Luke Cage the cause. And the cops got it wrong, we don't think Cage involved. Look, dog, a hero never had one. Already took Malcolm and Martin. This is the last one. I beg your pardon, somebody pulling a fast one. Now we got a hero for hiring. He a black one. And bullet hole hoodies is the fashion. We in Hollis Paradise, Delicat done. Now I'm about to trade the mic for a mad dumb. Give up my life to trade Vaughn to have one. Chill, cause this is bulletproof love. And you already know what a bulletproof does. So you can take it from a bulletproof dog. The hood got his back, dog. Bulletproof love. Hey, welcome back to Spawn on Me, episode 155. Sharif and Cicero in the house. Kai is uh, uh, somewhere uh, being uh, sunburnt because he doesn't believe that black people need uh, suntan lotion. Right. So he's out there tanning, burning, crispy Right. Um, on the beach. His um, biscuits are burning. <laughs> those biscuits. <laughs> that cornmeal is, right. is, uh, is uh, sizzling. Out there, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, um, so the switch been out for two weeks. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, I gave I know I gave my initial impressions after a few days during the last show, um, and you know, after two weeks, I, I I feel like I can safely say that um, Nintendo has delivered on what they advertised on in that this is a you know fast. Yet, um, powerful portable system that can also, you know, seamlessly output to a TV. Um, and I kind of say that, um, in the order that I did, because I do think that it, I feel like the strength of it is as a portable system. Um, I think it's definitely serviceable as, as, uh, hooked up to the TV and stuff and it looks great. Um, and, and, and it plays fine. But the times that I've had the most joy with this system is when I've been, you know, waiting to meet somebody in a coffee shop or I've been in my car. Um, while driving? To, yeah, driving. <laughs> while, while I'm driving in my, in, in my Google, uh, in, in my smart car. 
Right. Um, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, but actually, I'm pretty sure that that's happened in Japan already. I, I, I would not. I would not 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 put it past them. Um, or as I told C earlier, waking up and eating Girl Scout cookies and playing Switch in the bed. You know, like I've had the most fun with this game when it's not hooked up. Sorry, with the system when it's not hooked up to a television. Um, and I think that you know, um, again, it's a big differentiator. Um, and I think that you know they delivered on it from a hardware perspective, which I think you know was the big question. I mean, um, because even even though you know I really enjoy the library on the last two systems, like, like they definitely, I, I definitely wouldn't say that they delivered as well hardware wise as they did here. Um, the, uh, even with something like the battery life, um, I know that that was a big issue when like people found out that, you know, that you can get about six hours off of it. But when you're playing a really intense game like Zelda, that you would get three. Um, I haven't had a time where I, you know, was not around power, and you know needed to play for more than three hours now i can see times when that could happen like if you're on a long flight you know or like if you're actually that's really the only time i could really think if like you're on a long flight or like maybe right. if you're somewhere and you're not sitting next to an outlet in a right. airport you're, or something you're camping like that. or something yeah right right um so like those situations didn't present themselves to me um but at the same time i think for a video game system, I can't really see the battery life getting that much better given the, you know, the graphical output and, you know, all the CPU stuff that you have to do to play a modern game. Right. You know, like, I feel like I've heard some comments that sounded kind of to me like, hey, th this thing needs to have PS4-like graphics and be portable and be eight hours. And I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? Like, 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 and like, cost 250 Yeah, I mean, like, like you, you can only choose, like, a few things, you know. But, but I feel like by, by partnering with NVIDIA and using, like, the Tegra chip, I think it really shows that they have that balance of, like, you know, still making good-looking games and having decent battery life. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I've just had a blast with it. Um, you know, I, uh, I've played snipper clips with my girlfriend and she really enjoyed that. Okay. Um, really cool kind of like co-op game. Um, and the interesting thing is I have about, I have about eight games and the only one that's $60 is breath of the wild. Hmm. Every other game that I have, I think the most, the second most expensive one is I bought the Binding of Isaac um, Afterbirth Plus that has right. like all the DLC and stuff for forty bucks. Okay. Um, I bought Fast Racing Remix for twenty bucks, and everything else has been like ten bucks or eight bucks. Hmm. So I feel like I've already gotten some really good value in terms of having a fun library. Um, of, now, uh, huh? Was it? Oh, uh, now all all of those games are. Uh, digital. Yes, those are all digital games. They're all digital. How how big are they? Uh, they're not big at all. Um, the only game I have that's even over a gig is Zelda. Right. Um, but you have but you have a physical yeah, copy of Zelda. Yes, I I have that on a cartridge. Um, right. but I think digitally it's about thirteen gigs. If I had that, right. all the other games are like four hundred megs, seven hundred megs, eight hundred megs. 
you know? Um, so like I haven't had to use my SD card at all. Like um, all my games, including the saves and the screenshots that I've put on the system all take up only like a few gigs, you know? Okay. Um, so like, yeah, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've just really, really been like happy with it. I, I, I would definitely recommend that, you know, if you, to, if you can get your hands on a switch, not not to buy it, but like to like try it out. I don't know if they have demo stations or anything like that. Nah, I don't, I don't I, think I they haven't do. been anywhere to check them out. But yeah, I don't, I don't think, think they do, they... which is a shame. I don't right. understand why they wouldn't have those all over GameStops and Best Buys and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, like it feels good. It's been comfortable during my playing sessions. I haven't felt like cramped, or I haven't felt like the viewing angles weren't good. Um, and I've surprisingly played a lot with the Joy-Con separated. Um, so the switch comes with like this grip that you can put the joy cons on. It becomes sort of like a standard like controller. Um, but I find having both joy cons separated much more comfortable. Um, and it means I can like put my arms any way I want. So like, if I'm like sitting in a seat at like a table, I can literally be like sitting on my, on my, on my elbows with my head down. And right. just playing with like my arms like separated up, you know. Um, I've I, I've played with my arms folded, like laying down, um, in, in, you know, with with like my head, on, like, and and it's weird because I just did that naturally. Like I didn't set out like, yo, I'm gonna try this thing. Like, right. like there's natural things I do when I'm sitting down, and I felt like I could do that and still play. So like I felt. That's awesome. I felt like that was cool. So awesome. I've gotten more use out of the Joy-Cons at this point than the Pro Controller. Wow. Um, I still think that the Pro Controller is amazing. I still think it's too expensive. Right. Um, but I think it is very comfortable and, you know, is is uh, great. But because I've done more portable gaming than, like, home gaming, you know, it's been less about the Pro Controller because I don't bring that thing with me. Mm. Um, now... I've yep. got I've got two questions for you. So the yeah, first is uh, regarding the pro controller, because since you're playing it a lot in the portable mode, now can you not use the Joy-Con and use the pro controller in the portable mode? Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. So so the syncing is actually one thing that they've gotten much better at um because because it 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 like used to sync with the wii u and the wii it was basically kind of like pairing a bluetooth device where like you you had to put one in sync mode and the other one and you had to acknowledge on the other thing like all that stuff like for this all you have to do is just like press a button near it and 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 then it it, it'll like say like hey are you trying to use this press like this to sync it up and like you press that and then it automatically switches the controller so i've used the pro controller when i've been like downstairs watching like a sports game and i'll like prop up like the switch on my coffee table and i'll use like the uh, pro controller there um i've done that but i still actually prefer the joy cons kind of like separated um which is a surprise to me i I think the other reason why that's happened though is because i haven't played any games that really require a d-pad um mm. the only one that i've played that benefited from it was i bought like uh king of fighters like 98 like a neo geo port um oh, 
and and like that one obviously plays like better with the d-pad so i've played that one more with the pro controller so i can get off my my uh joe higashi like uh tornadoes right um um but um yeah yeah yeah. i mean any configuration supports any controller Mm. um so, so like uh so like that's either the separated joy cons or the two player ones or the joy cons on the grip or the joy cons attached to the sides um or the pro controller so yeah they they were pretty good about the syncing up and stuff like that all right now question number two online support um where are we with their online solution uh, have you done anything online? Have you been able to? Obviously, you downloaded a bunch of games. What's the store look like by, in comparison to the Wii U or yeah. the 3DS store? Um, what What are your thoughts on on the online solution so far? Well, I mean, the store. I mean, they just kept everything really basic. I mean, the store used to have sort of like, you know, on previous consoles it was a more cartoony feel. Like they kind of had, you know, things were bouncing around. They had music, like you kind of had to select things in like a different way. This is just very spark, just a list of games. It's like, buy, don't buy, here's a video, <laughs> which I actually really appreciate because there's sure. like no bullshit. Like you start it up and like, it's just recent releases and just a list of things and like, with like the prices and like, you just go and just, <laughs> just get stuff. Um, the download speed is really, really fast, which I was really impressed by. Uh, but for some reason, and I have no idea why this is. You cannot save your payment information. Huh. Um, so the two times... Now, I got around this by just loading up a bunch of money at once. Mm. Once I found out that that happened. Because I was like, I'm not going to put something in every time I want to do that. But yeah, there's... Now, like on both the Wii and the Wii U, you could save it. You know? Right. And now that you have this Nintendo account, I was like, oh, sure. you could. Of course, you could associate PayPal or card. Nope. Every so time you can't you even buy... associate PayPal? No. Oh, wow. Any, anytime you want to buy wow. something, you got to enter a 16-digit credit card, security code, expiration date, zip wow. code. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, does a keypad come up on the screen? Yes, you... yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I mean, a keypad comes up. I mean, like, you could touch, touch, you know, type touch, it in, type but it. Okay. it's still stupid, and, right. and, and, and it makes no sense. Like, I don't know if it's something they just forgot. Or if 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 there's some security concerns about saving it, but I can easily see people that don't have, you know, the the uh, money to put it to put like a hundred on at once and just use it. Right. That like every time they want to get like a seven dollar game, they got to put in their full credit card information and then do it again. Like it well, is absolutely ridiculous. I, I will say that there there is some logic behind that. And um, if if this was the logic behind it, I can definitely understand it. And that that is they don't want to have to worry about losing your credit card information to bad actors. I guess. Right. I mean, mean, Sony's been hacked twice. Microsoft's been hacked. They saw that 500 million users on Yahoo were hacked. Oh, yes, you know, people, you know, you know, so I mean people are being hacked all the time and these these potentially can be huge huge uh you know litigation time sinks um uh you know and you know and all that stuff costs money. So if you you know so if you can avoid a lawsuit simply by not 
allowing people to store their that type of personal personal financial information um, on your servers, then your servers become less valuable uh, as as a target of attack. And and it also means that your customer base doesn't run the risk of later getting litigious with you as a result of you being careless with your security. And, yeah, I, and I giving can definitely up see it from that perspective. I mean, I think it still makes for a bad user experience. Yes, it does. And like, I think if that was their rationale, then they should have worked. Well, first of all, they should have integrated PayPal. And like, uh, second of all, is they should have worked with Visa and Massacar because both of them have their own like online kind of PayPal-ish kind of systems where they right. generate like a temporary number you can use mm-hmm. for purchases. They should have worked with them to be able to use that. I feel like there were other ways that they could have did it where they don't have to store the information and still use people's cards. Like I feel like the way it is now, I just feel like is, is, is going to push people away from making um, as many purchases as they would normally. I I don't disagree. The other thing is with the system being portable, uh, you know, you can't guarantee, you can't guarantee what Wi-Fi networks you're going to be on and whether or not they're secure. That's a good point. So, so uh, you know, you're m- much, much higher to uh, susceptible, much more higher, uh, much more likely to be spoofed um, as a result of, w- you know, as a result of using this product in the way that they encourage at airports, at, you know, yeah. very, very public yeah, and open which, places. So, Which I've done. Yeah. Right. Right. Just, so, yeah. Just don't connect to the Wi-Fi signal that like says like switch credit card info. Right. Right. Just, right. Exactly. Just don't connect to that. All right. right just just right. fall back. Yeah. You know what I'm so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't disagree that that uh, it, it you know it makes for a more painful experience for the user for the end user. But I kind of do. Um, this is the one time that I I really kind of do understand um, a rationale that makes sense for Nintendo and their online. Uh, solution with regards to that and that alone (laughs) (laughs) yeah um as far as the rest of the online i mean it's pretty much in the same state i mean it does not exist like you can add you can add (laughs) friends but you can't interact with them at all like you can't message them like you can't invite them to games like you can just see what people are on and what they're playing all right reef and that's it reef how how is how is that acceptable today it's it's you know Okay. It's it, it's it's okay. It's not. I, I mean, I think that what they're doing is like they've said, "Hey, like we're going to we're going to roll out the trial for our online system eventually." So I think that they're literally doing nothing until that trial except for very basic ad friends. Now, now I think that again that shows that the system probably should have launched a little later. Right. Um because at the very least like I should be able to <laughs> message someone right right um, like hey what do you, you think know, about this new system that we have yeah that we yeah. both have um yeah and <laughs> and like as i said before like the developers you know didn't you know they weren't sure well they correctly guessed that nintendo wouldn't have their shit together so even games that do have online support like a uh, fast racing remix which i love it's just like you know you randomly match up with like people um and and like you play but there's no way to like play with friends or add friends to a game or like set up anything like that 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's completely non-existent. I mean, they, I am convinced that like, they're not going to do anything, um, until this trial kind of runs out, even on the most basic of levels. So, uh, you know, and, and for those who, who may have missed it, um, so, uh, Nintendo has an online service that they're rolling out for, uh, the Nintendo switch as, as of today. It has yet to roll out. We don't know when it, it will, will roll out. But what they did say at the Nintendo Switch reveal was that the, the service, whatever it is, whenever it is released, will be free for all users until the fall, until October. Uh, yeah, I think they, they just said it? fall. They, I, don't, okay. I, I, I don't remember them saying, right. saying a month. Okay. So um, now... The the other question to to you is when when would it become unreasonable and unacceptable if uh, an online solution hasn't been uh, implemented for the Nintendo Switch? What like what's the what's that cutoff date where you're like this some bullshit? I mean, I think it's bullshit right now. Well, I do too. I do <laughs> like too. like I think the fact that there are games like you know like fast racing like remix, like Bomberman, um, you know, like there's multiplayer games out there, um, that would benefit from this. My, my guess is that, so Mario Kart is coming out on the 28th. If they don't have something comprehensive launched by then, I think that would be a a landmark moment where, where Mm -hmm. it'd be even more bullshit. Um, now, like I just went to their, to the website and it says in big red circle, it says available in March free trial. So well, we've got so we've got so less we got, than a week left of March. Exactly. So either somebody forgot to update the the, uh, the official website, um, or they're gonna you know c- kind of come out with that. But yeah, or if, March twenty eighteen. You know. Yes. So, so if they don't have March. something comprehensive because like Mario Kart eight for the Wii U had a very comprehensive online system where like you could set up tournaments you could have friends you could set up like a private matches like you could have a mix of friends and like cpu or like online people all kind of stuff so if if they can't at the very least mimic that i think it's going to be a real problem right um you know now like because i'm playing a lot of my stuff on mobile i don't use the online really um, I have played some online versions of like fast racing while while I was at like Barnes and Noble or like some kind of stuff, <laughs> right. um, you know. But you know, but yeah, I mean they <laughs> they're being very cagey about something that again they don't have to be cagey about. They could just be transparent and just say, "Yo, this is launching in March. This is what it's going to launch with." Because they haven't even really been clear. Right about what's going to launch in the trial, which supposedly is going to launch within ten days, or what the online solution is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. So you know, it's it's a it it is a big black eye for them, and like it's it's like something that can definitely you know would be able to I think drive more sales if they were more upfront about what it is and what it isn't um, instead of leaving people in limbo, but that's really been the history of this console so far. They left people in limbo about even what it was until right. what was it? December when, no. when, 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 when they had like the video that, oh, right. that, that like actually said it's a hybrid and all that stuff. Right. Like, right. like, like no, nobody even knew what it looked like until then. Right. So like, right. you know, they've, they've had this 
history with this system of shooting themselves in the foot by not being transparent about exactly what it is and like what it's going to be. And again, I don't know if it's because if they've planned this or if they're just being stubborn or if this is like some kind of marketing thing or if like they're just late on stuff. I have no idea. Like, like it's probably some mix of all of those things but like it's a shame because you know when like people have gotten it like it's gotten really good reviews for the hardware for like some of the software and and, like i feel like that would have also happened if they announced stuff earlier (laughs) like right like it would have you know been of even more boon because like they would have had more of a media cycle for it yeah Um, Now, now speaking of software um one thing that hasn't given nintendo a black eye has been Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, the one game, the the one game to rule them all at the Switch launch. Uh, you, of course, have Breath of the Wild. You have the physical copy, the the cartridge that tastes terribly. <laughs> um, you you were playing a little bit of it. And you talked about it last week when uh, you you know you got it and you were you were able to play some. Um, now that you've had two weeks with the game. What do you, what do you feel? Do you feel confident enough to give a review of yeah. Zelda Breath of the Wild? I definitely feel confident enough, man. I have, All right. I have played, believe it or not, over 100 hours. Oh my gosh. Of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh my gosh. Um, you need a you need like an intervention or something. I don't even need to like yeah. come to your house. Yeah. I um mean, I mean they geez. do have a, a progress thing that tracks, you know, like an activity right. log and right. and wow. 100 hours. Um, wow. The, the now la- if we had enough time, we were, we were going to talk about the story about how uh, men apparently are eschewing work to play <laughs> video games, and you would have been case study number one. Ah, I've, <laughs> been, I've been getting my work hours. done, man. Exactly. It's just that exactly. I, I just haven't been sleeping a lot. Right. <laughs> okay. Because one thing about a portable system is you got that thing wherever you are. So mm-hmm. if you can't get to sleep. You know, like you might boot up and before you know it, it's five o'clock and you're oh like, my oh, gosh. shit. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot of late night and early morning uh, playing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my review of the game is that it is. Um, oh, man. It's like a fundamental change in how an open world game should be. Really? Um, and I think that's that's why it's getting kind of heralded, um, as much in the press because, you know, obviously the press, you know, they play so many games all the time, you know, and, and like they're a bit, you know, you know, they kind of know what to expect and they can be a bit cynical at times. Mm -hmm. This is, this is the first game I've ever played that's in an open world format that really trusts you enough to figure out a lot of the systems on your own. And to give you a platform to let you experiment with different like solutions that don't seem like they should work, but they end up either working as you expected or like in some weird kind of like side way. Um, and like some examples of that, um, without getting to any spoiler territory, are that like in most of these games, like you get a mission objective, right? And like you know, and like you get a glowing dot on your screen. You know, and you go to it, and that gives you maybe three or four other side quests, and then one. So, like, you always have sort of these icons on the screen. Um, Zelda doesn't really do that. So, like, when you start after you get through the the uh, the uh, tutorial part of it, you get your first main quest, which is like 
destroy Ganon, who, you know, is the main right. antagonist of the series. Right. There's a one dot in Hyrule Castle, which you know is the last level. Like, you know that that's where you beat the game. And that's it. Huh. And, you know, if you want to, you could go right there with your underpowered shit and try to beat <laughs> it. You know, I mean... I mean, like, there are some, like, speed runs already of people beating the game in, like, an hour, well, you know, yeah. with, with like, no shirt and no pants and, like, the first sword Make and, like, three hearts, and they go in and, and they know the patterns, like, well enough that they do it. Um, but, like, obviously most people can't do that. Right. Um, so you pretty much have to figure out, like, all right, like, they talked about that I need to awaken these beasts or whatever. So, like, you kind of find a village, like, you go there. Um so a lot of it isn't even though there are obviously main quests and like side quests um it isn't laid out as stringently as it is in um most other games um so that like exploration and the discovery is really the key and i think tied into that is the mechanic that you can climb any surface in the game hmm. um so you do have yeah, I, heard, I heard he's bar. like uh he's like a spider-man He's yes. Looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you do have an upgradable stamina bar that does determine how far that like you can climb. Um, but that means that you can approach things from any angle. And like this game has some really high peaks and some really low parts. Um, so I found that there were a lot of times where I would go up and like kind of get a view of like where I am. And there's very obvious landmarks that can kind of orient you in the game. So, like, you don't have to, like, keep on going to your mini-map to see, like, 20,000 icons like you do in most open-world games. There's not hardly any icons on the map. Hmm. Um, the only icons that, like, really come is as you discover a village. Um, if you select a quest, then the objective marker for that kind of shows up. But you don't have to have one up. Um, and as you, uh, as you unlock the shrines, which are essentially like 120, like mini dungeons, those leave a fast travel icon on the map. Um, so I found that I was orienting myself by using these like landmarks and just using like my binoculars way more than I would in a regular open world game where I would just Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, I would use the map and I would plot a point and just kind of, kind of go to it. So I feel like it's really kind of fundamentally different from even games I'm currently playing like Horizon and games that I've really enjoyed in the past like um, Watch Dogs 2 and Mafia, right? Like uh, those are all great open world games, but this is kind of like, it almost feels like a different genre or a mix of genres because, you know, it really says like, hey, we'll let you do what you want, but if you go over there, you're going to face some guy that you cannot beat because you just don't have the shit, you know? So it, it kind of sounds dark soulish a little bit. Right. Um, and, and like, I think it is in that way um, that you really are left to your own devices to like, say, Hey, um, I better not wander around there again. You know, like, like I've never died so much in a Zelda game because as you're exploring, you find these like, super super tough enemies that you don't think you'll ever be able to take out and the game doesn't block you or gate you or or like i say like uh like uh you can't go here yet you know or like uh, you need the hammer or the boomerang to go here or like open this up you know um so yeah so like 
because of that, I just always had this sense of wonder and like I always felt like my explorations were always like rewarded with like more information or a chest or like or like a like upgradable skill. Um, even after a hundred hours in, I'm still finding new stuff, wow. like entirely new parts, like not just like a chest. Like, I mean, like I found like an entirely new village, an entirely new temple, like, <laughs> wow. like just these areas. And like a lot of that is because, as I said, the map is not marked. So like, it's not marked with the names of places that you haven't found yet. Right. So like. As you're going around, like, uh, like you're like, oh shit, I had no idea that like this was here, and like I found like major characters with other quests that I didn't know existed, you know, um, just from like looking around. Um, so are the maps marked, or the so the, are the maps? Do they indicate the fact that this area is undiscovered, or do you just is it just nope. like emptiness? It's just yeah. Like yeah, it's emptiness between point A and point B. Yes. So you've been to point B, and then you f- discover point C as you walk between those two. Yes. And then it's populated on the map. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, like, the map is so large that it's easy to go from point A to point B, and maybe point C is a little bit to the right of the middle. Right. And there's a whole other area to the left that you just didn't see because it's under a cliff or... Or, like, there's a hole that you drop down or, like, something like that. Mm. Um, so I found a lot of stuff by just, like, paying attention and just, like, flying around. I mean, mm. the best part of this game is not following the objectives. It's just kind right. of going around. Um, like, I found, like, uh, new weapons and quests and, like, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that that's really what's brought me back to it. I mean, after I beat the main quest line, after about 80 hours, I was like, all right. I'm gonna put this down. I'll come back to it in in like you know after I finish Horizon and Wildlands and like all that stuff. But I just cannot stop thinking about this game. And every time I either watch a YouTube video or like I see somebody talking about it on like a Twitter, they've either discovered some gameplay mechanic that I haven't done, hmm. or they found some character that like I haven't, or they've you know discovered an upgrade that I didn't even know existed. So I'm like, oh shit. Wow. Like, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that, like, you could, like, you know, bait this guy to throw this heat-seeking, like, grenade and then, like, use the updraft to launch yourself in the air and, and like, come down on him. Like, just, like, I, th- there's consistently new mechanics to figure out because Nintendo just basically made this really experimental physics system and, like, just said, well, just go at it. You know, like you can mix things together if you want, you know, um, and there's just so many different strategies for taking people out um, that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I would I never thought that I would say that the combat in a Zelda game is brilliant, Um, but the combat is brilliant, you know, Hmm. Um, because like there are different there's so many different things that you can do that doesn't involve just smacking people with a sword, you know, and like it's like rewarding each time, and yeah, it's it's a fantastic game. Like I can, I I can say after a hundred hours that is, it it could potentially crack my like top ten all time games list, which hasn't changed wow. much. Wow, in, it hasn't changed in years. I think, I think the last game that I put on there was The Last of Us, which I really hmm. enjoyed. Yeah, but like before that, I mean, my list has been fairly solid. <clears throat> um, but man, this. This game, I, I think, is really going to go down as sort of a landmark in design. Um, mm. And, like, 
I, honestly, I'm not sure how open world games are going to be after this. I'm not sure if other developers are going to look at this and you take some lessons from it and use that. So the games that we see maybe three, four years from now um, are going to be a little mm-hmm. more like trusting and a little more like, like leaving you to your own wits um, to be able to survive. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's been hard to go back to horizon, man, because I love horizon. I think horizon is a masterpiece, but right. it, it just feels so linear now. Like, 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 really? like, like, like it feels so like, Oh man, I can't jump over this like little wooden thing here because I can't go into that part. Oh man, I, 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 you know, what I'm saying it's like giving me these footsteps that that is telling me literally exactly where to go. Right. And like right. when I open up the like a map, I can see like everything, and there's all these littered icons on the map, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It, it's it's like um, it's making me criticize things about games that I love that I wouldn't have thought about before I played this game. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, now, where do you put this game in the pantheon of Zelda games? Yeah, I've 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 been thinking about that one. Um, so I'm not an Ocarina of Time person. So like, I'm not. I know a lot of people put that on like. Well, a lot of people kind of put put that up on their favorite games of all time. Period. Right. Um, but to me, I put Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past for Super Nintendo and Wind Waker above Ocarina of Time. And I would probably slot this one at least second. So I would put it at least right below Zelda 3, um, Link to the Past. I think it'll probably take me some time to really see if it moves up above that. Because that's like, you know, my second favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just incredible. Um, but it it But it gives me that same sense of wonder that I remember having when I was 11, when Link to the Past came out. And right the world felt like I was like, I could do freaking anything. And like, that's a game that I play every few years and it still feels good and tight, but it's just a much smarter game than that. Um, Like the writing is like decent. It can be corny and funny and serious and like all those kind of things. Um, the, The voice acting is okay. I mean, to be honest, I could do without the voice acting. I know that they made a big deal about this is the first Zelda that's voice acted, but I don't really think it really adds that much to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like I would put it second, um, at this point, um, which is crazy. I just, I, I, I was hoping I would enjoy this game. I would have never expected that it would have hit me and the industry like this, like this much. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think it's really telling that uh, that you even have the you, you have the opportunity to to think about this game in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it 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 really is something that I hope everybody can play. I mean, like I know I mentioned like before that I was I was like even if you can get like a cheap Wii U somewhere, right. And like play this game just because from a design perspective, especially especially for people like us that have been playing games for, you know, 30 years. Right. Like to see what this game does and how it breaks just all those conventions that we, that you don't even really think about because you take mm-hmm. them for granted of what right. what of like what a 3D um, open world game should be. 
I mean, it just turns all of them on their head and, and it does it so successfully and like effortlessly that it's just hard to even imagine that this is coming from Nintendo, huh. you know, um, to be honest, because like, well, while like Nintendo makes fantastic games, like, you know, this is really one of their first um, open world games yes. of this level. I mean, yeah. um, you know, like they've definitely had, I mean, like obviously the original Zelda was an open world game in right. of time and all the right. games after that have been somewhat open world, but like right. this one is just so open and so large and so like we trust that you can make it here even if that means you're gonna die 50 times figuring it out right like i just don't see games that do that anymore Mm -hmm. you know um so like it can be brutally hard but at the same time like rewarding because you figure stuff out and like say this is how i should do this and then you talk to like somebody else and like they're like well i did it this way i did it this way right and these are just like every encounter is like that. Like it's not just only a few. So yeah, it's it it is uh, it is quite a game. I, I I'm uh, I'm enjoying the fact that this is you know we've we're getting more and more of these games where um, you know emergent gameplay is the buzzword that really means something today. Uh, where uh, you know where you get these games where. Uh, everyone in the, in an office is playing it, or, or you know, amongst your your peer group, you're playing, it and you guys go home, play the game, and then you you know you water cooler, uh, you sit around the water cooler talking about how you guys all approached the same experience in very very different ways, and 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 the things that happened when those experiences, you know, or when those gameplay uh, moments came up. I, I think that's really fantastic, uh, you know, uh, between uh, Metal Gear Solid Five and Zelda and, you know, the things that I was talking about in, in Wildlands and Horizon um, Zero Dawn. I think that, you know, it's a it's a great place. Uh, it's, it's a great time to show where the industry is going. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I anticipate there would be like so many GDC talks and think, I mean, there, there's like already been a lot of think pieces about Zelda and, and, and why people appreciate it so much. But like, yeah, I, I, I really hope that, you know, people take some lessons from this game and that, you know, some of the triple a games that we see that like maybe drop in like, you know, 2020 or like 2019 that, that, um, they do, you know, um, give the player some like respect and like I say like yo like we're like you gonna die (laughs) right (laughs) you know and it doesn't mean that you're a terrible player right like um, I think one thing that really stuck out to me that I really noticed as I was playing Horizon after Zelda is most games and like well like I think about it this is also Witcher and like you know like like Watch Dogs 2 they pace the game in such a way that you're that you never feel too overwhelmed. So like so like you almost level up at the same time that the challenges ramp up. Kind of come to you. So like you right. always feel like, all right, I got the right gear on, I got the right weapon, I can take this like person on. That's like the complete opposite of Zelda. Right. Like in like Breath of the Wild, like you go up 
it's like the wrong place and this dude and, and you don't know it's the wrong place because like you're just going around right. and this dude will be sleeping and just get up and his power bar shows up and that joint is like the whole screen <laughs> and like you try to hit him with like your most powerful weapon and it just takes off like you know one hundredth of his power bar right so like you're consistently feeling overpowered but the key is that you can always like run away and like regroup you know, so like, so like, you're constantly like, what the fuck did I get into? Right. You know what I'm saying? But then, you know, as as I've beaten the game, I've gone back to these areas and I wreck shop. You know, okay. Um, because I got okay. You, you know, like like all the high level gear and like that kind of stuff. Right. Like you're you're, you're Clark Kent at the end of Superman too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, You've exactly. been working so, out. It's <laughs> like so, so, so I got all um um all my drops and like my high level swords and my right. shield and like that and like that kind of stuff. But man, it is so it is really it's a typical adventure of you starting out with nothing and like growing, but the fact that the enemies are always there, always powerful, it it it, it just flips everything on his head and makes you like I'm not confident that I can beat everybody that I come across, which I think is just right. a real, yeah, a, a real big difference. Mm-hmm. That that is that is uh, a great difference. Um, also, something that uh, is a difference is the way that YouTube users, or not necessarily YouTube content creators, are influencing kids and. In, uh, in the world today. And, you know, I'll let Reeve kind of get into it and, and I'm sure it'll, uh, wind up bouncing back to me, but, uh, Reeve, why don't you talk about, uh, Ben Kachera's article in, from Par- Polygon? Yep. So Ben wrote a article in Polygon and like also Gita wrote a great article in like a Kotaku on this as well. Right. Um, Gita Jackson. Yeah. She's um, killing the game by the way. Yeah. So, so they both wrote on the recent um, issues that have happened with YouTube personalities and how they've been exposed for, you know, their racist, misogynist, xenophobic, you know, views, which I think expose is kind of a weird word because I feel like people, 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 people have always known that they've had these views, but they haven't really publicly exp- ex- um, expressed them. Right. So we talked a few shows ago about how like uh, PewDiePie had this like, you know, super anti-Jewish stuff. And like he basically gave this half apology. Um, and the story now is that this guy uh, called John Tron, who I was yes. not like familiar with because I'm not 12, um, <laughs> who is a YouTube star who basically, um, you know, essentially has like white supremacist thoughts. You know, um, he like engaged on this debate um, and he basically kind of talked about how like he's really against immigration. He showed his support for uh, Steve King's comment about um, not being able to restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. Um, You know what I'm saying? He, He basically just talked about how, you know, we don't need... In, in immigration, he said that like the U.S. should refuse refuse immigrants from uh, quote unquote incompatible places. <laughs> you know? What do, what does that mean? 
What does that even mean? Like, where is there a place on the earth that you're incompatible with another place on the earth? Ah, it's just, I don't know what it means. But yes, it's it's like a shame because, because, because like, these are the people that a lot of kids are watching. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, uh, we're kind of the old heads now. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the millennials and the post millennials are the ones that are really driving the views. Therefore, you know, making these like a like a personalities really make money, you know what I'm saying? And, and like, it like also happened with like somebody like, uh, Colin, Colin Moriarty of like kind of funny who like, you know, who like said like a, you know, like a pretty poor taste sexist joke about, about women and ended up to the point where he, you know, actually left kind of funny, like a place that he co-founded, you know, with with his good friends and his ex IGN folks, um, you know, and like now he's already been on Glenn Beck and he's been on David Rubin and these other kind of like conservative shows. So like so like he's so so like he's set, you know, with, with like his stuff. And I think both like PewDiePie and like Jontron are also set because they both make a lot of money. Um, but I guess I mean the question is like how do you parent? How do you make sure that your kids? you know, are being raised right when, you know, a lot of the people that they're fans of that are very visible, um, you know, are exposing these views that, you know, you probably don't want your kids to hear, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, see as, as the uh, parent of the squad. Right. Um, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, it's it's not an easy job and and uh any parent will tell you that parenting in in itself is is not an easy job and and luckily for me um my boys were were are old enough that in their formative years YouTube really wasn't a thing um and it definitely wasn't even even when it existed um it it the the gaming aspect of it wasn't as pervasive as it is today uh so so i didn't have to worry about this very specific problem however um you know as a parent y- you have to be involved in your kids lives and as they get older they're going to be more uh less reticent to um or or i don't know if it's less reticent more reticent to um to give you uh information that would will help you help them make informed decisions mm-hmm. or the types of decisions that, that you would like them, like them to make. Um, but, but I will say that I think that a lot of it still falls, you know, all of that stuff falls on the, on the parents. I think that, that um, no matter how influential a YouTuber is, that YouTuber is not going to be as influential uh as as their as their parents are as the people that they're in contact with on a day in and day out basis yeah a guy can make a 5 minute video he could say a bunch of dumb shit um and if the kid comes to the the dinner table um espousing uh, you know espousing some of the uh, of the dumb shit that they heard Jontron saying if those weren't your beliefs I think that you have more influence over um, explaining to your child why why those aren't your beliefs and why those beliefs are are things that you would frown upon and they should potentially frown upon. Um, and, and I think that that parents are in a, a unique position 
to influence their children in that way. And that kids that, that aren't necessarily getting that from, from their parents, they're, you know, unfortunately are mostly lost. They're going to be lost. And, and the kids that are espousing, uh, you know, that are, are spewing out this type of ignorant rhetoric are, are probably also hearing that ignorant rhetoric from their parents. Um, or something something similar enough that they feel like, oh, okay, well, if my parent is saying this and this guy is saying it, then there must be some elements of truth to it. So I can start to to uh, morph my brain and train my brain to thinking that these types of thoughts and ideas um, are okay. Not only are they okay, but they're the correct ones to have. So, um, you know, the it is terrible when uh you go to visit as as someone in the industry did recently you go to visit some nephews that you have that are gamers and they and they start talking about PewDiePie and and the Holocaust right. and joking about Jews and what have you um in a very kind of cavalier way um it it, it doesn't necessarily have the same hold up on them, I think, as people that are more permanent fixtures in their lives and the values that those people have. So, um, you know, it's important, you know, and in in the same way that I think about like Andrew Dice Clay. Um, Andrew Dice Clay was wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't so, expecting him to come up. <laughs> right, right. So 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 Andrew Dice Clay was very, very popular when I was uh, f- freshman in high school um, and maybe maybe eighth grade. And, you know, when I was a freshman in high school was was when I was around was probably like my most multicultural schooling. Most of the time, I you know, I, I went to school with black kids. So, uh, you know, with black kids. We Racist. Really, yeah, exactly. We weren't listening to a bunch of Dice Clay. Um, was, I know, you know, right? Right. You know, he's a comedian, but you know. But uh, in ninth grade, I had a bunch of friends who had the tapes of Dice and would play them, and you know, and uh, and would you know sit around and mimic Dice. And Dice was very misogynistic. Oh, yes. You know, you know. I mean, he was just he was he was repugnant in in all all of the ways that you'd yeah. want somebody to not be repugnant. Yeah, that was and, like his whole shtick. Right, right. That was, you know, that was his shtick was that, you know, he was this blue collar everyman who, you know, had nurse uh dirty nursery rhymes. And uh the kids would repeat it and it was funny to repeat these naughty they, you know, clearly knew were naughty things, but but I of all the kids that I heard repeating that stuff and laughing at that stuff. I don't think at any point that those guys turned around to become misogynist as a result of dice. Um, if they did, it just, you know, those were just coincidental, you know, uh, anecdotal coincidences. Um, and, and I think that these YouTubers have that same type of influence mm-hmm. where they're just, people that you know they're hot for a minute and then they're not so you know i i don't put a a whole lot of stock in it yeah but the thing is that these people that we're talking about they're not just like 15 minutes of fame these are people that make millions of dollars 
and and are affiliated with brands and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I, but but what what it sounds like you're saying though is that you think that, um, not trying to hide it from your kids, but trying to talk to them about what your values are, right? You know, and why those things are wrong. Right. Assuming that they share with you that they're seeing that stuff. Right. You know, right. Or, right. Or you find out or whatever. Um, right. That, like that's a better approach as, as like a parent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it really boils down to talk to your kids, you know, and, and, and the thing is, as they get older, especially, you know, as they become teenagers and they, they start to develop their own identities, the amount of stuff that they're going to share with you is going to be less um, whether it, you know, whether it's still a lot or whether it's, you know, almost nothing is still going to be less than what it was when they were, you know, preteens and, and younger. Um, but the thing that we've got, the advantage that parents have over their children is you're smarter than them. You know, <laughs> you, you've been there before, you know how to do the things and you know your kids you know how to do and say the things that you need to do and say in order to get the information that you want at least a tidbit of that information that you want to 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 find out the things that you want to find out from them about their lives so you use those tools to get that information and then once you get that information you find out that that your your kid likes PewDiePie Maybe you do a little research, you know, it does take a little bit of work. You find out that they like JonTron. Maybe you do a little research to find out who JonTron is and, and watch a couple of his videos. And, and you know, and, and, and then you, you, you know, going back and you talking to your child and saying, oh, I watched that PewDiePie video. I thought that one was funny. Or, I, you know, I watched this and, you know, like, what the hell? What's up with this dude? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, yeah. but, but. Being able to come back, knowing that your child divulged some information and then seeing that you went off on your own and did your own research to and then coming back to your child and saying, hey, I took an interest in the thing that you're interested in. Can we talk about it? I think opens up the 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 lines of discussion, the the lines of dialogue to really get to the root of of all of those things and, and really understanding your child is, you know, and, and, and helping them to uh, form healthy relationships with, with the people around them and with the world and, and, you know, in general. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. I think it's a good inspirational time to uh, stop the show. All right. Before we get people crying yeah. and like, and like asking you to go parent day kids. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you going to learn today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you, you don't want Uncle Cicero no, coming, around with, coming around with the belt, with the right. strap. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ready to regulate. So, uh, C, why don't you hit us off with the uh, social media beeswax? Social media beeswax is as follows. The beeswax. Uh, beeswax is as follows. Uh, if you want to uh, check us out on Twitter, you can go to at Spawn on Me. Our uh, individual information is in the bio, so check us out. Follow us. We will follow you back. Um, if you want to send us an email, you want to send us a message or a question um, and don't want to do it via Twitter, um, you can do it via our email, Spawn on Me podcast at gmail.com. You can find the show on our website, spawnon.me, 
where uh, this episode and all of our previous episodes are located. You can check them out. There are lots of really, really great ones there. Uh, you can also check us on your favorite podcatcher. Excuse me. Um, NPR one or iTunes, um, whatever it is. And if you have a place where you can subscribe, make sure you do that. If you have a place where you can rate and review, please, please do that. And please tell your friends. Cause you know, we're pretty awesome. We like doing things and, uh, you know, we want to continue to, uh, make Bricago the number one destination for all video gaming needs. So, uh, yeah, do it. And uh, submit qu- some questions, damn it. I want some questions because I got the answers. He has the an- even though he can see the future, for some That's, reason he wants your questions. I want your you, questions. Even though he should be able to foresee your questions and uh, give the answers without you submitting them. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> but I want to big the people up without scaring them okay, that I you. knew they had those questions. Gotcha. You, you, you're very responsibly using your power. Is that that is correct. I, I feel that. I feel great that. power great. comes great responsibility, bro. Oh, man. Look at that. Yeah. Peter Parker himself. Yes, sir. Um, all right. And with that, y'all, uh, we will be out from episode 155. And we will say peace. Peace.